You're listening to So So Speaks, a different kind of podcast where each week we discuss everything and anything that matters. No boundaries, no limitations, just real conversations, real stories, and real facts. What's up guys, Sona here and I am back with something a little bit different. If you listen to part two of what really happened to Tamla Horsford, you will remember that I mentioned that I live in France. So today's case is something to do with France and unfortunately has not been discussed much outside of French, Japanese, and Chilean media, perhaps because all of the information is either in Japanese, Spanish, or French. I've actually wanted to discuss this case for a while. It's definitely one of those cases that sticks with you simply because it's so bizarre. Also, I was obviously in France when it happened, and there is unfortunately not much information readily available because unlike the US police, French police are not forthcoming with information at all. They are extremely secretive and they will tell you the bare minimum, which I understand, but at the same time, it's extremely frustrating, I feel, especially for the family. In this case, for Narumi's family. So today's case is about Narumi Kurosaki, a Japanese exchange student who came to France to study French and unfortunately never left. She has not been seen since 2016 and the French police are convinced that she is deceased, yet they will not tell us why. They however maintain the fact that Narumi was killed by her ex-boyfriend. So here are the details. Let's get into it. The events take place in a small town in the east of France called Besançon. On the 17th of December 2016, the police begin an investigation into the disappearance of Narumi after receiving a call from the president of l'Université de Franche-Comté alerting them that Narumi had not been seen for two weeks. She was a student at the CLA, a language school in Besançon attached to the university. Due to the fact that she hadn't been in class or communicating with with her friends, everyone was starting to become concerned. Upon further investigation, detectives were told by a student living in the same residence building as her that 15 days prior, they had heard a scream coming from the direction of Narumi's room. When they opened their door, everything was silent and they did not investigate further. In fact, that night, several students staying in her building heard shouting, crying, and banging on doors and furniture. The last time Narumi was seen in person, she was playing sports with her Japanese friends. Following that, there was no activity on her phone or any movements in her bank accounts. Sometime between the 16th and the 23rd of December, the police were convinced of Narumi's death, as well as a suspect, claiming that what they were afraid of had been confirmed. Although they did not go into more detail, they claimed to have identified a suspect who was apparently on the run, so Interpol was solicited. On the 29th of December, police shed some more light on this infamous suspect a young Chilean man who had fled to his native country. The individual at this stage was said to have been emotionally linked to Narumi. Now we know he was her ex-boyfriend. He was in Besançon shortly before her disappearance. The two actually had dinner in a restaurant on the evening of the 4th of December. On the 2nd of January 2017, blood was found near the security exit 
at the back of the university residence where Narumi was staying. Although it had been weeks since her disappearance, the forensic police took samples for testing. The discovery of this blood was hardly cause for optimism. Indeed, CCTV footage from the evening of the 4th of December shows Narumi entering the building with her ex-boyfriend, yet he was the only one to come out. After testing, however, the dried blood was determined not to belong to either Narumi or her ex-boyfriend. How police had his DNA was never disclosed. On the 3rd of January 2017, it is discovered that the suspect had threatened Narumi via a video he had posted on social media on the 7th of September 2016. In this video, he accuses Narumi of doing bad things, and due to these bad things, she must now follow certain conditions. Here is the audio from that video. Um, hi, whoever is watching, hope Narumi. Um... This video is to set a statement. Um, <clears throat> recently, Narumi did some some bad things, which are costing her to follow some conditions in order to keep this relationship. Um, even though that, I believe uh, we we should live in another way. We should live without those conditions, but trusting each other and being honest and don't not hiding. I think that's the most much more healthy way to live. Um, so the statement said that the conditions are applicable, some of them for her whole stay in France and some others actually forever. Um, and the statement is the next. If Nanumi can can follow those conditions for Two weeks? Two weeks from now, it's Wednesday 7. Um, I, I will leave the conditions without any effect, yeah, effective immediately from that, from that point. So that's gonna be on you know, 21st of September. So if in 21st of September, until 21st of September, she follows all the conditions, I'm gonna just leave them out because I don't wanna live that way. And I don't wanna her to live that way either. But at the same time, she needs to build trust and she needs to um, pay a little cost of what, what she did and assume that, assume that she cannot go around doing, making those kind of mistakes with a person who loves her. Yes, two weeks. This video to the investigators further solidified their certainty that this man had murdered Narumi. On the 5th of January 2017, based off of the GPS information from the car that the suspect had rented, police began to search in the forêt de chaux for her body to no avail. 
It is, however, discovered that the suspect, named by police as being Nicolas Zapida Contreras from Chile, allegedly sent fake messages around the 12th of December 2016 to Narumi's friends posing as her in order to justify her absence. On the 18th of January 2017, Japanese journalists discover Nicholas in Chile laying low in an apartment rented for him by his parents. It is discovered that he is from an extremely influential and well connected family in Chile. He denies having any involvement in Narumi's disappearance or even being in France. On the 1st of February 2017, the district attorney of Besançon's request for the suspect to be arrested pending investigation is denied by. The Chilean government, citing a lack of a body as the reason. They do, however, ban him from leaving the country for at least two months. On the 14th of February 2017, the suspect, via his lawyer, reclaims his innocence at the Supreme Court in Chile. He has not been detained or arrested, but it seems that the media pressure. Had become too great. France, however, at the time had also prepared a request for his extradition. On the 16th of February 2017, he discusses the details of his last night with Narumi, so he essentially admits that he was indeed in France. Nicolas Contreras confirmed to the Chilean court that he was with Narumi on the night of her disappearance. He had returned to Chile only a few days after the disappearance of Narumi. According to him, they met up on Sunday afternoon of December 4th while she was at home, home meaning her campus dorm room. She was allegedly surprised and crying. They hugged each other and he told her the reason for his trip to Europe. After their reunion, they went to dinner at a restaurant in Ornon. Which is a small village not far from Besançon. According to Nicholas, they then returned to Besançon to have intimate relations, and that was the noise that the students allegedly heard. He then says that although everything was fine, Narumi began to feel guilty because she was in a relationship at the time. She supposedly asked him to leave and he left. But on his way out, he explains that he dropped his cell phone and because he was looking for it, ended up using an emergency exit instead of the main door. He says he was lost in thought and walked from the campus towards the city center, waiting for Narumi to contact him again, which, according to him, never happened. Now, what Nicholas conveniently forgot to mention was that in the months leading up to his visit, things were extremely rocky. They even broke up. And the police discovered during this time they had exchanged 980 messages. And on the 5th of September 2016, which is allegedly the day that they broke up, they sent each other 646 messages in three hours, all of which were read by the police. But we don't know much of what was said. We only know a few of the exchanges, which I'll get to. But in them, Nicholas comes across as being extremely bitter, and he allegedly accuses Narumi of having destroyed everything. And this is because she had a boyfriend in Besançon. Okay? Now, there were details that were obtained by Le Parisien, which is a huge French newspaper, obviously based in Paris, but they also covered this. And they have the details of what allegedly. Really happened not only that night but also leading up to that night and what he did after. So here it is. So the previous fall, before her disappearance, Narumi had actually gone to visit Nicholas in Chile. 
and met his family and everything. And he had told his family that he wanted to spend the rest of his life with her. But around October 2016, things began to change on her end. She began to have, based off of these messages, a different vision of her own future. And in one of the messages, he responds to her and he says, I'm not in France and you take me for an idiot. He also hates the fact that she has male friends and he specifically mentioned someone called Arthur, which is Arthur, if you say it the English way. And this Arthur had actually been to Japan. So him and Narumi kind of bonded over that. And Nicholas found this infuriating. He actually orders her to delete Arthur from her Facebook as well as two other friends who I'm assuming are two friends that she made in Besançon. Narumi refuses and he responds to her by saying, I wanted to get married, have a house and children with you, etc. Narumi, on the other hand, says that he's ruining her time in France. And she also says, I'll never forget that you got me pregnant and that basically he's not helping her financially. Now, because she's speaking in the present tense in this conversation, the police tried to find information as to whether she was pregnant at the time, but unfortunately, they weren't successful. On October 8th, 2016, is when we have the final exchange between Nicholas and Narumi, and it ends with him saying, I love you. On the 29th of November, he landed in Geneva, Switzerland, where he reportedly planned to continue his studies. And this is what he said in a statement that he gave to the police on the 30th of December. The procureur for Besançon, the district attorney, says that apparently every sentence, or almost every sentence, is in contradiction with the elements in their file, which we don't really know these elements in much detail. But he says what he says in his statement is contradictory. So for some reason, when he was still in Chile, he rented a car that he was going to pick up from Dijon. Dijon is about two hours, 45 minutes away from Geneva by road. So when he gets to Geneva, he takes the bus and goes to Dijon. When he arrives in Dijon, he goes to the supermarket. And at the supermarket, he buys five liters of flammable liquid, matches, detergent spray. This was on the 1st of December. On the same day, when they looked at the GPS for the rental car, it shows that he spends half a day east of Dole. Dole is a small village near Besançon. It's about 15-minute train ride, 30 minutes in the car. And he spends half the day in a vast wooded area of little tourist interest. So this is a place where tourists don't really go. On the 2nd and 3rd of December, he is seen twice by two different students hiding in the kitchen located on the floor where Narumi's room was. So he was basically lurking around Narumi and stalking her. So on the evening of Sunday the 4th of December, so the night she goes missing, they go to dinner and apparently this is a consensual dinner that they both agreed to. At 10.58pm Nicholas's car takes them both back to campus. From there no one will see Narumi again. At 3.20am is when the screaming is heard and there are 15 students who confirm that they heard screaming. In fact, there is a British student who is actually staying in the dorm 
and she sends a text message at 3.21 a.m. saying, It is as if someone is being murdered. It sounded like a horror movie, another said. But after a thud, like a body banging, those were their words, like a body banging, calm is restored. Unfortunately, nobody calls the police, which is just so unfortunate. The next day, Narumi doesn't go to school. Her loved ones are worried, but a first message on Monday the 5th reassures them. In the evening, Arthur decides to find out for sure if she is okay. He goes to the building where her dorm was with two of his friends. In front of the door, they all decide to call the caretaker because obviously she wasn't answering the door. And just as the caretaker arrives, a new text message arrives on Arthur's phone and it says I spent the day in town with a guy I don't want to talk to you anymore and shocked and furious Arthur leaves now it's not clear whether Nicholas was in the room the entire time or whether he left and came back and left and came back all we know is that the police said they both went into the building and only he came out but we don't know how many times he came out so I say this because on Tuesday at 4.23 a.m., so the early hours of Tuesday morning, the car leaves campus. It drives back to the same wooded area that he'd already driven through, and he stays there between 5.55 and 6.18 a.m. And then the rent-a-car employees ended up telling, I don't know who they told this, whether it was the newspaper or whether it was the police, but they noticed that the car was particularly dirty and it had traces of mud in the trunk and on the driver's side as if it had been driven through the woods. Personally, I do believe that he stayed in the room until he was sure that the coast was clear and then proceeded to dispose of her body. If the room is anything like the room that I had when I lived on campus, it's pretty self-sufficient. There is an ensuite bathroom, there is a fridge, you can have a microwave in there, but it's it's very small as a single, but very self-sufficient. <laughs> When the police opened the door on the 15th of December, they found a tidy room. Even though Narumi's friends said that she wasn't a tidy person, she was pretty messy. Her coat had not moved, neither had her laptop or her wallet that still had 565 euros in cash, so it wasn't a robbery gone wrong. And then when they checked the room with ultraviolet lights, there wasn't any blood. They did, however, find Nicholas's fingerprint on one cup, and the only thing missing, the only things missing were Narumi's large suitcase and the bed covers. I mean, come on. The reason that it took 15 days for the police to become involved was because Narumi's friends and family were receiving messages. Now, obviously, we have reason to believe that they were not from her at all. But in one, for instance, it says that she had to go to Lyon to deal with a passport issue. However, the Japanese consulate in Lyon doesn't deal with passport procedures. That's the one in Strasbourg. So it was becoming a bit fishy. In addition to that, a train ticket had been ordered from Dijon. But one of the passengers that was on the train, so I don't know who tracked them down, whether again it was the police or whether it was the newspaper, but one of the passengers who was on the train and was supposedly sitting next to Narumi's seat said that the seat remained empty the entire 
journey. Apparently, the ticket was actually bought from a terminal in Dijon, and that was around the time that Nicholas was supposedly there. I'm assuming this was on his way back once he had already dropped off the rented car. Not only that, but the phrases that were in those text messages were phrases that Nicholas has asked his Japanese friends to translate for him and then to delete those messages. On the 7th of December is when he leaves France via Geneva and goes to Barcelona. And his cousin, who is a medical student, lives in Barcelona. And his cousin actually said that his behavior was off. Not only was his behavior off, but he was also asking some very weird questions. For instance, he asks him, How do you know if someone who has died from asphyxiation, for example by hanging, is really dead? And how long does it take? And these are questions that he asked his cousin and also told his cousin not to talk about. Not only that, but he also spoke about Narumi in the past tense. He said, for instance, she loved the sea, and his cousin noticed this. When he found out, when Nicholas found out that his cousin had actually spoken to the police, he sent him a message about how family needs to protect each other, and his cousin kind of felt threatened by the messages that he was sending. So Nicholas has been in Chile since the 12th of December 2016 and since then France has been working actively to have him extradited here to face charges. Now they believe that with the evidence they have they can convict him and as of the recording of this episode faced with the body of evidence accumulated against him the Supreme Court of Chile has finally accepted to hand Nicholas over to France. So he should be extradited very soon. However, with the situation with COVID and all of the travel restrictions, it might take a while, but they are aiming for end of July 2020. So hopefully we can finally get justice for Narumi. So unfortunately, that's all of the information that we have on that case. And if I remember correctly, the information that was published by Le Parisien wasn't even supposed to come out. Um, the police were very upset that all of that information did come out. Like I said, the French police, they tried to keep things very low key. It doesn't exist like in the US where you can look up the police report and things like that. Personally, to me, it's very clear that he is guilty. He literally flew here to kill her. It was premeditated considering the fact that he went to the supermarket to buy these materials before he even got to Besançon and the fact that he was lurking around her dorm before presenting himself to her. I also think that the police have a lot more that they're not telling us and that proves that he did kill her. Maybe they have him on video leaving with the suitcase that was missing from her room. Either way we will find out once the case goes to trial and I hope that once he is extradited here that things will finally get moving because I couldn't imagine what her family is going through. They were in Japan, her parents were in Japan when they found out and they actually came to France to talk to a lawyer but you know because Chile wasn't extraditing Nicholas not much could have been done and I just can't imagine what they have to go through not knowing what happened to their daughter and it was also very difficult for her friends um, especially her Japanese friends that were actually in Besançon 
with her and were around when everything happened. So a very traumatizing situation. And I just hope that we can get justice for her and that he pays for what he did. I also just can't get over the fact that he was probably holed up in her room after he killed her, which means he was in there with her body until he could leave. And the fact that Arthur was literally right outside the door and the caretaker almost arrived. It's just, man, like, it's it's blood chilling. It makes your blood run cold that someone could just be that depraved, you know? She had moved on with her life, she was happy, and he just had to ruin everything. And I really hope he pays for it. Well, alright guys, that's all for me for this episode. Let me know what you think. All of my social media is in the description. I also have a profile on Good Pods, which by the way is a really cool app that I discovered where you can directly listen to podcasts, but you can also share them and make comments on them and rate them. So it's a really cool new thing because it's specifically for podcasts. So with that being said, I hope that you guys are all doing well and Considering the current situation that you're all healthy. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it and I wish you the best wherever you are and I'll see you next time. Bye! Yeah, they can't hold us back. We on another level. Yeah, it's that new age. Ain't it something special? Yeah, we gon' change the game. We gon' live forever. Yeah, it's that new age. It's that new